0: Hi there, you're listening to Lindisfarne Anglican Church's Sermon Podcast, the place where you can hear God's Word preached if you weren't able to join us at one of our services during the week. My prayer for you today is that as you listen to this message, you'd be challenged, encouraged, and equipped to live as a disciple of Christ in the world. May God richly bless you as you listen to this message today. Well, uh, there are many things in life aren't there where we wish uh, we had we knew then what we know now uh, and uh, of course uh, one of those things is often investing if you uh, had known now what you knew uh, knew now what knew then what you know now that's the one uh, you would uh, have probably done some different things to what you did do. For example, if you had a spare $10,000 that you were looking to invest in the year 2007, uh, and you'd invested them in Netflix, this mail-to-you DVD company, uh, you would have turned that $10,000 today into half a million dollars, uh, simply by doing nothing but waiting. Or, how about this one, if you uh, had been kicking around in 1990 thinking, what will I do with $10,000, and you thought, oh this little Fortescue Metals company looks interesting, I'll I'll, I'll park my $10,000 with them, by the middle of 2008, so like that's nearly almost 20 years, $10,000 invested into Fortescue Metals would have become $73 million dollars. Oh, that's like Bitcoin on steroids, isn't it? Uh, some, some amazing investment returns. Uh, and uh, in our story today, uh, we've got the story of uh, two servants who do very well with their investments. Their, their master's gone on a journey and when he comes back, they've doubled what the master gave them. And we've got one who does nothing. He buries the money in the sand. And as we think about this story today, what we do is we see Jesus encouraging us to think about how we're using what he's given us to grow his kingdom. Of course, with anything, it's important that we consider the context, as I've been talking about uh, a lot lately. And the context of this parable is very important for us understanding what Jesus is talking about. For we find ourselves here uh, towards the end of Matthew's gospel with Jesus uh, talking about his second coming. So in chapter 24, which is the previous chapter to the one uh, that we had read today, Jesus talks about his second coming and he says this, verse 30 and 31... At that time, the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the sky and all the peoples of the earth will mourn. They will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the, earth, uh, from one end of the heavens to the other. Jesus is saying, one day I'm going to return in judgment uh, and it's going to be unmissable. But he goes on to say, though it will be unmissable, it will surprise you. So verses 36 to 39 of chapter 24, he says, But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage up to the day that Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be with the coming of the Son of Man. Jesus says, I'm going to come back. It's going to be an unmissable event, but it's going to happen all of a sudden and without warning. And so Jesus says, so I'm warning you, live as though you're ready for that moment. Jesus tells a series of parables after having instructed his disciples about this very fact that it's going to come and it'll happen sort of out of the blue. Uh, he says, don't let it that be so. Live your life in such a way that you're ready for his return. And he tells a couple of stories or parables uh, about being ready for the return of Christ. First, he talks about a servant who remains uh, on task until his master returns uh, at the end of chapter 24. Uh, Then at the start of chapter 25, we have the famous parable about virgins waiting for the bridegroom to come and half of them uh, run out of oil because they uh, weren't prepared. And then the bridegroom comes when they're back in town, refilling their lamps and they miss out on the party. And then we have our reading today about servants who are tasked with looking after finances uh, and one who does a poor job of that. These are stories that remind us to live our lives in light of the return of Christ. They're stories that remind us that we need to be ready for Jesus to come back. They're stories that are a helpful prompt for us, aren't they? Because I don't know about you, but... It actually takes me, I have to, it's only when I'm in scriptures and it's talking of the return of Christ that, that I really truly start thinking, wow, how am I going at living my life uh, in the knowledge that Jesus will return one day at any moment out of the blue? Would I be focusing on the things I'm focusing on today uh, if Jesus came back tomorrow? It's a, it's a life-altering uh, way of living, isn't it? Living in light Of the return of Christ. Uh, If you are in the full-time army in Australia, you can be on what's called a notice to move. Uh, And usually if you're on notice to move, it's 24 hours, but it can be as short as four hours. And so if you're on four hours notice to move, that means your phone will ring and you've got four hours not to get to base, but to be on the plane taking off for Afghanistan, basically. It's four hours from phone ringing to war. And uh, that's the way you've got to live your life. So you can't be down at the pub having a palmy and a beer uh, with your bag half-packed thinking, she'll be right, mate, Uh, because uh, in three hours and 59 minutes' time, uh, you might need to be ready for war. Living your life that kind of way changes everything. And we see this is the kind of readiness that Jesus wants us to have for his second coming. Not to be caught out, not to be like, whoa, wasn't expecting that, but actually to go, you know what? I knew this would happen and I'm prepared and I've lived my life in the kind of way where I'm prepared to give an account of it. And so our story today takes on uh, a fuller understanding when we, when we see it in the context of uh, Jesus' instructions on how to live in the light of his second coming. And in our story, we see that Jesus tells this story about a man uh, who uh, is in charge of some servants and he gives them some money. He gives each of them a different amount and he entrusts it to them and says, look after this. And then we see that two of them do a good job. They double the master's money. But one is afraid and he digs a hole and waits for his master's return. And then we see how the master responds, don't we? For the two who take a risk and double the money, he says, verses 21 and 23, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And to the one who's a bit afraid, doesn't quite know what to do, so he digs a hole, puts the money in, thinks, well, better safe than sorry. The master says this, verses 26 through to 30, "'You wicked, lazy servant! You knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest.'" Take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For those who have will be given more and they will have an abundance. As for those who do not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The man who dug a hole is condemned and his money taken from him. What are we to make of this rather confronting story for us as a church today? And as I said at the start of the service, I I chose this reading when I thought that this would be my kind of pep talk to you all uh, before the annual meeting, which we've delayed, but I still thought it's worth us reflecting uh, on how far we've come and uh, the things God has done in our lives over the past year today anyway, and it will help us frame our thinking as we head into our annual meeting in a few weeks uh, or in a month's time. Uh, And I think we see a few things that this parable teaches us. First, we see that we have the opportunity to multiply what Christ has entrusted to us. The servants were told, uh, uh, we see that the servants can invest their money and talents and they can make a return for their master and this is a good and godly thing for them to do. And so, too, I think Jesus says, we ought to do the best with the things Jesus has entrusted to us uh, as servants of Christ, our master. And it begs the question, it, well, what is it that Christ has entrusted to us? And I think you can answer that question both individually and collectively. but collectively, as a parish, we've, we've been given a lot of good and wonderful things, haven't we? We've got buildings. We have this building we're in today, we've got the hall next door, we've got the rectory behind us, we have St James in Montague Bay, multiple buildings and we need to be strategic in our use of them. We've been given finance, we have a bank account, we have nearly $300,000 or over $300,000 of investments with the trustees. Uh, We've got to be strategic about how we unlock and use those resources. We have perhaps our greatest resource of all, people. We have people with special gifts and talents that God has given to us as his body here in Lindisfarne, And God wants us to figure out how it is that we unleash each of you in your kingdom potential so that together we can make a greater impact. And we have uh, this place. Montague Bay, Rose Bay, Lindisfarne, Gilston Bay, Risdon and Risdonvale. Uh, and depending on the day, maybe or maybe not, um, Cambridge is in this parish. I don't know. What do you think, Sharon? Is Cambridge in this parish? I don't know. The, the, the rector of Sorrell and I have a debate about whether Cambridge is in the parish, but Sharon says no. She knows probably better than I do. So I'm going, no, nah, it's not in, it's out. Uh, Joel can have it at, at, at Sorel. Uh, but the rest, and, you know, and that's probably a good thing, isn't it? Because, you know, Montague Bay, Rose Bay, Lisbon Bay, Gilson Bay, Risdon and Risdon we're on the up there. Cambridge, they can, you know, they're over the hill. They can stay uh, with their types. Uh, but God has given us, as not the wonderful gift of place uh, and not only place, people in this place. 10,000, in fact, uh, you'll remember uh, me telling you from the census last year, who live uh, in our parish, uh, who uh, God has given to us to care for and to tell of the good news of Jesus. Buildings, finance, people and place. And it's been wonderful, hasn't it, as we reflect on a year since our last annual meeting to see how God has blessed our endeavours together over the past year. Uh, If you are familiar, which I know you all are because you sleep with it under your pillow with our parish strategic plan and vision that we released at the annual meeting last year, uh, what's on page three? (laughs) <laughs> uh, if you're familiar with that document, you'll know that we, we had to face some, some hard truths, didn't we? That the average age of our church was 72. That the three youngest people in the church one year ago were Amity, Elisa and me. That we only had one family and they were paid to be here. And we released a vision in light of those facts that we would be a church for Linsan, making disciples of Jesus. And as we've sought to unlock our buildings and our finance and our people uh, and this place God has placed us, we've seen God do some amazing things. We've seen this age drop significantly. Uh, We haven't done another survey. That comes in a few years' time. But I'm sure the next one won't say the average age is 72. Today I stand here not even close to being the third youngest person in church. Uh, Quite amazingly to my mind we're going to do, I'm I'm running a confirmation class after church today for a couple of teenagers. You know, how, how has God done these things in this place? We are continuing today to start and continue a process that was begun a year ago to make tough decisions, to multiply our resources and enable us to see our vision become reality. And when we get to the annual meeting in a month's time, we're going to have to keep on making these sorts of decisions because God has entrusted much to us and he expects much from us. This year has not been easy. But it has been a year where God has richly rewarded our efforts to be faithful stewards of the gifts He's given us. Now, I don't have time for this today, but it does bear thinking for us as individuals as well, doesn't it? What is it that He expects of us and our talents, our finances? our friends, our family, the things that God has given to us, how is he calling us to use them for the glory of his name and the expansion of his kingdom? You see, ultimately, the greatest gift that God has given to any of us and all of us, both individually and collectively, is the gift of the gospel, the good news about Jesus, And we, first and foremost, must see ourselves as messengers in this place to the people around us. Messengers of a good news of salvation. Messengers of the coming again of Christ and the judgment of those who fail to trust him. Messengers that here is a place where people will find love and acceptance. And we need to continue to figure out how we magnify that message and become more and more a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. Jesus has given us a great opportunity to multiply what he has entrusted to us. Secondly, uh, as I reflected on this parable for us as a church heading into annual meeting time, we see that Jesus in this parable promises reward for those who uh, prove worthy of his trust. If we work hard for the sake of the gospel, we will be rewarded. Verse 21... His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. God will entrust us with more as we steward what he's given us already well. And we will share in his happiness, not only in the joy uh, of seeing people come to know Christ, which would be enough, but the joy of being with God forever, you see, as we steward the gifts he 's given us well, then God uh, rewards us by spend, letting us allowing us to spend eternity with Him in heaven because we 've been faithful to the calling he 's placed on our lives. We must be motivated to unleash our individual unleash our individual and our corporate uh, potential, because God will reward us, but also Because God expects us to, and there's punishment if we don't. Doing nothing, burying our money in the ground, is not a neutral activity. That's the great mistake, isn't it, of the third man. He thinks, oh, I'm a bit scared, I'll just dig a hole and it's not going to get any worse. But actually we see, don't we, that disciples uh, who do that insult Christ's grace because they neglect his commission and they are damned. The servant who did nothing with the money is punished for doing that, and we will be too. If we fail to unleash and unlock God's wonderful gifts to us in service of his kingdom, God will not be pleased. I think it's a very, very uh, bad mistake that the church can make to think that we've kind of got two options. One is have a crack, and the other one is just kind of make sure nothing bad happens. Well, That's not how I read this parable. I read this parable saying we've got two options. One is have a crack, the other one is get judged. God wants us to steward his gifts for growth. And we need to consider how it is that we do that and that we unlock the kingdom potential that he's placed in each one of us and that he's placed in this place corporately. Not because in doing so we earn our salvation but because it's a sign of the fact that we truly understand that we serve a God who can do more than we immeasurably ask or imagine. And because we worship a God who loves us so much and who is so gracious to us that he's died for us and he wants the world to know that he died for them too. Jesus is coming back. Are you ready for it? Are we ready for it? if we are then we need to make sure we faithfully discharge our responsibilities as disciples we need to make sure we unlock the potential god has given us and then we need to make sure that when we stand before the lord we're not like the servant who buried his money in the ground and say oh i'm sorry god but i was just like too afraid that i might lose it all rather we trust in his goodness and his provision And we say, look, I took risks and I did everything I could so that your gifts to me could be magnified for your sake and for the expansion of your kingdom. Let's be people who stand before the Lord Jesus on his return and who say, at my time in the parish of Lindisfarne, I helped us to do everything we could to be a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. Amen. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening to this message today. I hope you are encouraged by God as He spoke to you by His Holy Spirit. Please head to our website if you'd like more information about our church. www.lindisfarneanglican.org.au or like us on Facebook by searching Lindisfarne Anglican. We are a church for Lindisfarne, making disciples of Jesus. God bless.